So we are continuing in this series um, that we're calling Merge, and we're talking about what happens when people come together in Christ. And, and the whole point of this, the whole point of us talking about this is I think sometimes we in our culture have taken for granted the, not just the importance, because I don't want it to just sound like you should come to church. That's not really, I mean, it, you should. But more like the, the amazing benefits and the, and the things that are offered to us when we are willing to come together in Christ. And we're continuing in this series. You know, some of it is about the fact that, that we, are, we are putting a higher intention on meeting together in small groups that we call life groups. And those are happening um, just about every day of the week. If you want to know when life groups are happening, if you look on the back board right there, um, that's when and where they're happening every single week. So if you're looking to connect outside of Sunday morning with a group of people that are trying to be more like Jesus, this is one avenue that you can do that at this church. There are many avenues to do that, but this is a really good avenue to do that. Um, and I encourage you, if you've got any questions about being a part of one or, or, or forming one of those life groups, come talk with me about it. But in a bigger context, I want to talk about the benefits of being together in Christ and how... how how stunted our faith can be if we don't have this very, very important component of the interaction of my faith with your faith and our faith with each other as part of being disciples of Jesus. And, and we're going to talk about that in a very specific way today in a sermon that I'm titling Open. Sometimes your sermon illustrations, you have to go hunting for them, and sometimes they just kind of show up at your doorstep. Um, and that was the case this week. Uh, for those of you who don't know about my normal sermon routine and probably do not care, um, and that's fine too, my Wednesdays are like sermon day, okay? Um, I, don't like, I don't like close all the shutters and like lock the door and, you know, hole off with my computer and be like sermon. But, you know, there, there is a sense of like that is the day where I'm assembling everything. And usually in the morning, I'm spending most of my time putting together all the scriptures and, and reading through and really, you know, just kind of putting everything together. And then lunchtime is usually grabbing a booster juice and going and walking around the Cedar Hill Golf Course to just kind of let it all marinate, right, before I hit the computer. And while I did not run into any tracksuit-clad Betty White contemporaries looking to speed walk over top of me this week, you guys remember that. That's great. Okay. That was like months ago, and you remember that. I'm so proud of you. Um, <laughs> Probably because it made me look so dumb. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't have that this week. I did have, um, I did run into a news crew at Doncaster Elementary. Um, and, and they were interviewing people. Uh, and, and if you don't know, um, there's somebody in our close community who, has, who is being charged with um, possession of child pornography and attempting to lure. Um, that's, that's in the close community. And, and the press, the police released a report on it. Um, on Tuesday, the press snapped it up, and they were out interviewing people at Doncaster Elementary to, to get their reactions. And while my comments were not sensational enough to make it onto the news, um, which you may find surprising uh, listening to my sermons, um, I did give them, I, I did talk to them a little bit about what I thought about the situation, and then I went on my way. And as I continued on my walk, I really kind of started mulling over the gravity of, of incidences like that and what they mean for us as Christians. You see, this individual is a long-standing member of a church in the area. And I know the minister at the church and what a shocking blow this was to them as a church when they initially learned of the allegations toward this person. 
and who he is a respected person and part of a significant ministry in that church. And let me make this clear. If these allegations are true, the behavior is terrible. It is inexcusable. It preys on the most fragile members of our society. And I'm not defending his actions or his intentions or any of that. And I'm not trying to drum up any sympathy or take sides. I'm just observing something and drawing an important conclusion. Um, and I'm not making any commentary on that church either, what they should or should not do or, should, or what they should or should not have done concerning this. Um, none of that's my point. My thought simply went to this. First, this is a tragedy. It is a tragedy on every level for this guy, for his family, for his church, for the community at large, um, for all the other churches in the area, including us, our reputation, the community in general, who is invariably, and I saw it on Czech News, is going to react to this out of fear and sensationalism. And, and honestly, in a lot of ways, it's a very justifiable fear because we don't know how this is all going to play out. And so I was struck by the tragedy of it, but the thing that really struck me more that I thought was even more tragic, and this is what really makes me ache inside, is this is an avoidable tragedy. It's an avoidable tragedy. This guy's connected to a church body. He has people all around him with whom he shares belief and life experience, and it has been that way for years. And yet, to my knowledge, and like I said, my sources are pretty good, no one knew about this struggle in his life. Nobody. And it breaks my heart because for whatever reason, this guy felt it was better to try and go it alone in this area of his life and to try and hide that temptation and later the behavior that it would lead to and hoping that he could manage it or stunt it or kill it off himself and instead it blows up in the worst way possible. And the sad thing is, is this, this story for me gets filed into my ministry memories alongside countless other stories of, of men and women, church attendees, servant leaders, even people in full-time ministry who decided that keeping up appearances was more important than the truth of the matter in their lives. And they got taken down by it. And they often took others down with them in the collateral damage of their actions and their behaviors. And you know what? I confess to you, I've been that guy too. Not in that realm. But you know what? In the eyes of God, I mean, we look at, we look at, it, we look at an incident like that and we say, oh my gosh, that is so off the scale, that is the worst thing imaginable. <sighs> Folks, to God living out a relationship with him and living in sin is living in sin. It doesn't really matter what it is, okay? I've done it too. I have been that guy who instead of sharing my life with other people and sharing my struggles with other people, I have tried to keep a bottle on it and keep it inside of me and, and it blows up all over the place, you know? I, you know? And I did it just this morning. I, I, I lost my temper with my daughter. Said things that I didn't mean. Did things that I didn't mean totally did not act like the father that needs that is following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Totally did that this morning. And it hurts her, and it hurts me, and it hurts our family. And so I put that out there vulnerably for you. 
Why? Because your preacher is not going to talk about accountability today because he has it all down and wants you to follow in his footsteps. Your preacher is a vulnerable individual who screws up and wants to be more like Jesus. And part of being more like Jesus means living in open relationship with other people where your flaws are out there because we are all flawed people trying to be more like Christ. That's what it means to live an open life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, the Word of God makes it pretty clear that the road of the Christian is anything but easy. Instead, we find on the lips of Jesus and on the writers of the New Testament almost a guaranteed promise of significant, explicit danger and difficulty in the path of the disciple of Jesus Christ. And not only are we engaged in a struggle against our own broken inclination, says Jesus, but there are active forces outside of us that are arrayed against us, looking to sift us through their hands like wheat and bring those broken things up to the surface, says Jesus. And now it's not hopeless. I'm not trying to paint a hopeless picture. Jesus says in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, not you could, you will. It's a fact. Following Jesus is difficult. Following Jesus is hard. Following Jesus goes against my natural inclinations every day, every hour, sometimes every minute. Sometimes every minute feels like an hour when I'm, you know, dealing with, dealing with my kiddos, right? Sometimes, okay? Even though I love them so dearly. But take courage, he says. I have overcome the world. And we hang on to that hope and our struggles and the sin that wants to weigh us down in the midst of that because the word also makes it explicitly clear that we are not supposed to just hang on and try to get through this by ourselves. We are supposed to hang on in it together, church. I think we inwardly cringe when we hear the word accountability because it conjures up really uncomfortable images for us. To be vulnerable, to allow someone access to your life, especially to the whole of your life. And be transparent is not something that we naturally move toward, and it requires a lot of trust. And a lot of times, especially if you have found that your trust in people who are following God has been misplaced, it gets even more difficult. It takes a lot of trust. It takes more trust to put your faith in flawed people than it does to put your faith in a flawless God. And that may be why accountability or even just being open in our relationships has become so foreign to us is because it's really hard to do that when you put your trust in somebody and they've let you down. But I want us to realize this when we think about accountability and the reason that we come together in Christ. Accountability is also this incredible miracle gift that says we don't have to carry everything by ourselves. I'm not going to deny that it's difficult to trust people, especially when people let you down, but I am going to say when I compare the difficulty in trusting people that let you down with the difficulty of trying to bear the struggle 
of being a follower of Jesus and going against those natural inclinations and going against the forces that are arrayed against you that want to see you fall and stumble, when I talk about those two difficulties, I know which burden is easier to bear. The burden of trust is much easier to bear than the burden of going it alone. As Christians, we are allowed to help keep each other traveling lighter and keeping us tethered to the way of Christ together. And accountability is not designed to be a restrictive thing, I don't believe. I believe it's a freeing thing. I believe it brings the freedom for you and I to live a richer and fuller life in Christ because we are not wasting our time anymore hiding things in the dark crannies and corners of our lives and fabricating excuses and fabricating falseness to try and cover them up and to keep people out and keep people away from who we really are. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 11 through 14 in part of our reading today that when we keep things in the dark, they are allowed to fester with shame and deceitfulness to the point where we feel it's even shameful to talk about what happens in the darkness. But when we are willing to live lives that are open and those things are allowed to come into the light in the presence of people that we trust, that they become illuminated. You look at the scripture and you look at what it says here in 5 verse 14 or in 5 verse uh, yeah in 5 verse 14 13 and 14 everything exposed by the light becomes visible and it illuminates them so that they become light. Do you see the transformative process there? For something to become illuminated literally is allowing God's light to enter into it and to purge that thing, however big or shameful it looks, and to begin transforming it. And if that alone weren't enough, consider all the things that bringing an open light, that living an open life brings. When we bring things into the light, it brings security instead of fear because of the trust that it engenders to the people that we share it with when we find out, oh... You're human too. So am I. We actually trust more when we have nothing to hide and know the other person knows that. It also starts to bring real depth into our relationships. And I can't stress the importance of depth in relationships enough in our Facebook friend inundated world. To really know and be known by somebody is a rare and a valuable thing. And living in an open life brings that. And like our illustration has shown us this morning, living open is a necessity for us if we're going to avoid being consumed by the things that we're trying to hide. I don't care how good we think we are at it. Those things we hide in the darkness, they will come to light. If not in this life, they'll come in the next. And it's a necessity for freedom, true freedom in Christ's church, for us to live open. But in order to have these things, it requires a willingness in us. A life that is lived out simply and easily instead of hidden and convoluted. Accountability requires an honesty that pervades our whole life. That we also especially invite those few trusted people into. Realize for starters that I'm not talking about accountability as sin 
management. That's not what I'm talking about. It is not guiltily mumbling your offenses to your accountability partner so you can receive your due portion of finger-wagging and correction. That's not just a wrong approach. That is totally diametrically opposed to what accountability is supposed to do for us in our lives. Okay? Accountability is designed to focus not on the problems that we want to leave behind or the habits that burden us. It is focusing on what we want to achieve and who we want to become in Christ so that we can share the burden with one another and move forward on the journey of Christ-likeness. And so if you think that being open means wallowing in your shame and, and inviting somebody else to come with you, that is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the opposite. I am talking about allowing the light of Christ to illuminate those things with a few very significant people in your life so that they may be truly transformed. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the idea of living open or living accountably. But in order to move forward, you have got to be honest about where you are. One of my favorite and most quotable movies is Top Gun. Negative ghostwriter, the pattern is full. Yes, absolutely. All right, and 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 in between all of the and in between all of the, I feel the need for speed and great balls of fire comments and all that. Okay, there is a real, there is a real gem of wisdom in that movie that comes from Tom Skerritt's character. His call sign is Viper, and he is the he is the head instructor at Top Gun. And, and as Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, is kind of trying to sort out where he's going to go after losing his Rio, his rear operator, in an accident that wasn't his fault. Um, it's totally Val Kilmer's fault. Jerk. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I don't know why he didn't go on trial in that movie. That would have made sense. No. Um, but he says to him, a good pilot is compelled. Compelled be honest about what he's experienced so that he can learn okay i think the actual i think the actual one the actual one is a good pilot is compelled to evaluate what has happened so that he can apply what he's learned it's a great great quote in the middle of it and i would adjust that quote and i would say to us as followers of jesus Anyone who is a follower of Jesus is compelled to evaluate what is actually going on in their lives so that they can apply what we learn from it to become more of who we truly want to be. Jesus would put it this way, if you hold on to my teaching, you're really my disciples, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the fact is, there's nobody easier on the planet for me to lie to than me. And I am compelled to move beyond that and be honest with myself so that I can really know where I am. So that I can know what needs to happen about where I want to go and who I want to be. If I can't get to that point, then I can't move forward. And see, that's where this is, this is, where, that's where this is so necessary because while I can lie to myself, if I've set up that I'm going to live open with somebody else and I start lying to myself, that other person is much better at calling me on that than I am. And if we have trust and we have relationship between us, 
then I know that that person is going to have my best interest in mind when they say, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's a load of hockey pucks, you know. You need, to, you need to quit it right now. Because I love you too much to let you keep lying to yourself right now. It's not the finger-wagging, guilty, is charged, that kind of confession. It is... I love you too much to let you stay this way because we both need a whole lot of help and we're both growing together. And I can't do this without you and you can't do this without me, so let's be honest with each other. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the honesty that is required. And see, that's the thing I love is, is we're not talking about honesty as policing one another, especially in the light of, of the fact that there are folks that are looking to tear others down or see accountability as a way to step up onto a high horse or feel better about themselves in comparison to their accountability partner. I am talking about mutual transparency, and that is the beautiful thing about real honesty and accountability is that it both requires and it promotes honesty in the people who engage in it. And I realize that this also takes incredible amounts of courage. It takes a lot of courage. And not just general courage, but the specific courage that many of us lack on our own to ask and answer the tough questions about the state of my life. To be willing to examine and pursue change. I was, I was talking with Krista yesterday, and they did a... Um, they did a um, Krista, help me under, explain to me a little bit about what, what you guys do as a out on the campus, this big setup that you do, sometimes in the quad and, and other places, but what is it? Okay, and, and what was the specific question that you guys were bringing up? So, so, you know, what's in your life, what's lacking in your life, is there room for more, and what would you have to do to make room for those kind of questions for, for a fuller and richer life? And we were kind of chatting around this around the dinner table, and you said one of the most surprising things was, is that most people were not in a space where they were even asking those questions yet. They're going, I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if... I, I don't know if, if there's room in my life to ask questions. I don't know if I can make room in my life to ask questions. And it really hit me about how that courage to do those things has not really been fostered in us and does not get fostered in us if we live lives that are all by ourselves and not really connected in an open way to other people's lives. Because if I don't live in a greater sense than just me, if I'm not living in open relationship with others, I never get challenged with those questions. I never have to ask myself tough questions. I can just distract myself with the next thing. I can just busy myself with this or that. There's always video games. You know, I mean, or whatever. I don't, I don't you know, I mean, there's, you can, whatever it is that is your thing. You can always turn off those questions. But if you're living open with somebody else, again, it requires a lot of courage because you have to ask those questions when you come into contact with other people and find out that there are other people that are dealing with the same stuff 
that you're dealing with, but in different ways. And it requires a courage to be able to answer them and a courage to be able to answer them to somebody else and a courage to ask those questions of somebody else. How many of us know somebody in our lives who is going through something difficult and we are just letting them go through it because we do not have the courage to ask? I'm not talking about the church how are you doing when we go in and out the door? I mean it, like, how are you doing? It requires a lot of courage. I'm not going to lie. But it also fosters courage. It fosters great courage in us. And a courage that's not even from us. That's the thing I really love, is that it's, it's a courage... That, that is brought on by Christ and is fulfilled by Christ. If you look at the end of Galatians 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, Paul highlights this need for us to keep in step with the Spirit of God. And he says, look, take your life in the Spirit seriously. If you let the Spirit direct your behavior, it's going to open you up to your brothers and sisters in Christ to restoring them gently, just as they are restoring you. And in this way, as you share each other's burdens, you're going to finally be fulfilling Christ's law to love God with all, of you have, with all that you have and to truly love the others around you as Jesus does. It takes courage for us to live in an open relationship with other disciples that doesn't bring feelings of superiority or inferiority. An open relationship that doesn't make other Christians in your life objects of comparison but instead looks at the strengths and weaknesses of all of us as something God can use to aid in our journey to be more like Jesus. Again, the beautiful thing about accountability is that it doesn't just require the courage to be open, it also breeds the courage through the Spirit of God to live openly when we extend that trust through the Spirit so that He can use our relationships for transformation. This very important point, I think, is illustrated best by a story that I heard of two friends that lived in different towns that were training on a triathlon together. I realize already I have no idea what I'm talking about as soon as I say triathlon, okay? So just, it's, it's, it's firmly in the realm of something I heard, not something I know, okay? We'll just put it that way. But they, they, were, they were in separate towns, they were on their own workout teams, and then they were meeting each month to have a checkup on their progress together. And at the beginning, they were pretty evenly matched. But as the months went by, one of them began to seriously pull away from the other one in terms of their, in terms of their output. And, and you see the reason they had selected different training partners in their groups back home. One of them chose to train only with people that were at or below his level. And then the other one, he, I mean, he had the benefit of peer training. He wasn't trying to do it by himself, but it was only to a certain extent since he wasn't drawn beyond his current levels. Okay, the other one, however, he had arrayed a really diverse group of people to work with, master swimmers who could beat him in the pool with one arm but could learn from his running workout. And he had cyclists who could bike circles around him but needed training on their freestyle stroke. And he had marathoners who could outstride him but couldn't outbike him. In each relationship, there was a reciprocal element, one area that he could offer support in and also an area that he needed to grow in and be apprenticed in. 
And because he was in relationships that were intentionally fostering change, he grew faster, stronger, faster, better, stronger. All of those things, all of the above. You know what I mean. All right. And I think that's a really crucial thing for us to consider about our relationships in church. The sobering realization is we need each other in order to be fully in the harness with Jesus Christ and growing in the way that he desires us to. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, this is what full fellowship really is. It's not when we are merely doing other stuff with Christians. That's not fellowship. You can call that coffee. You can call that going to a hockey game. You can call that what it is. It doesn't have to be fellowship, okay? If it is fellowship, great, but it's out of having a personal stake in that other person's life and them having a stake in your life. That you're invested in their growth and they're invested in your growth. Because we're training together. And that's why whether we're talking about small groups or Bible studies or any of the relationships that we have in our churches, just connecting in community isn't enough. Instead, that connection of relationship has to become the gateway for change and cultivation into the image of Christ in us. And I think that's why accountability requires both significant relationships, but also a variety of relationships. I need accountability with one or few trusted peer members who are where I am, and we can engage in that transparency together. But I also need accountability with people that are in other stages of life than me. I need to be accountable to people that know more about me, more about me and where I'm going in life because they've already been there. Right now, I'm, in account I'm accountable with people that know more than me about leading a church that know more than me about evangelizing in Victoria, that know more than me about being a father and know more than me about being a husband because I need that. I just confess to you, I really need that. Okay? Especially today in the realm of being a father. I need that. Okay? And so I seek that. And that, that require again, that requires the honesty and the courage, but, but it also just requires the understanding of need. And then I also need to be accountable to people that know less than I do about some of those things. Not so I can be in some position of authority, but so I can be accountable to do something with what I've learned. So that I am accountable to be the person that I know that I should be because I have somebody under me that's watching me. Both the letters to Timothy that Paul sends out and the letter to Titus, he writes an outline of this kind of idea that everybody's learning from someone and everybody's pouring into someone no matter what their life stage is. And that means, and, and, and I'll step back, that means for you, for you guys that are in the youth group, there's somebody that you can be learning from and apprenticing to that's above you, and you should. And there's also places for you to pour out into others. I mean, that's why I appreciate what you guys are doing on the worship team today, or what you're doing and standing in front of us with your shaved head, Emily, and she's not even here because she's down there pouring into people right now. Guess who's doing children's church today? Okay. She's being accountable for what she's learned in Christ by pouring it into somebody else. Couldn't use a better object lesson if I tried. Okay. But those are the kind of, that's the kind of rhythm of relationship that God is calling us to. That's what he desires for us. 
we have had so many things in our church that are about that, and it's such an integral part of being honest about our growth in Christ together. We've had so many ministries like our women's mentoring program that went on last year that are so amazing at helping create those relationships, and I pray that we will keep seeking those things together. Things that will hold us accountable to the calling that we pursue. Speaking of calling, we are about to engage in something really, really wonderful today. In just a moment, Hanko, Janssen, and Jackie Perez are going to come forward and commit their lives to Jesus Christ today uh, to receive his salvation and put on his spirit in the act of baptism. And we are all going to be witnesses to this fact. And uh, we've got three big witness events that are coming up here, okay, in the next few weeks. We're going to witness the spiritual birth of Hanko and, Yaki and Jackie today, and then we're going to be invited to witness the marriage of Jackie Rich and Todd Strickland on the 19th of October, and then we're going to be called to joyfully witness the dedication of our young ones born in 2013 on Sunday the 20th. That's all happening this month. It's awesome. Okay? And it's important to note that being a witness is a really significant thing. There is more to being a witness than just rejoicing with the baptized, the married, or the parent committing their child to the Lord. They are all making commitments in those acts, but as a witness, we are also making commitments to those acts. See, when we witness this, we're making a commitment to stand in solidarity with the one who commits, to share the burden of their journey and of that commitment, to help fight for that marriage, to help nurture and strengthen both that child and that parent, to, as, Hanky and ja- as, as Hanko and Jackie, I don't know why I'm flipping all over that, I'm sorry. As they're giving their lives over to the Lord today, you and I are standing with them and we're saying, we commit you to the Lord as well. And we commit to helping you succeed with this covenant to be his disciples. Just as we ask you to join us in our covenants of discipleship, we are now accountable together. And we may seek different levels of accountability. I'm not saying we're completely transparent with everybody. But the question is, is do we feel a sense of accountability to our church? And do we seek accountability with trusted people? As we are in the harness with Christ, do we do it alone or we do it together? And I hope this is going to be a rich time of rejoicing over them for us. And rejoicing in our own lives as disciples as we participate in this act together with them. But I also really hope it brings home a chance to respond to some really important questions. Like, are we truly seeking that kind of accountability? Do we have people that we're willing to be transparent with? Are we nurturing that trust and that transparency in others? And are we being accountable to them in that way as well? I don't know, maybe you've never started any kind of significant, accountable relationship before. And if you're interested in wanting more details of how to do that, I really hope that you will respond. Talk with me, talk with Daniel, talk with one of our elders about how to do that because we want to help you incorporate those things into your life and into your relationships. But whatever your response is going to be to this, what I really pray that you will do is allow the Spirit of God to empower you to live open again. 
instead of being closed off in your struggle or closed off closed off in your life you weren't meant to live that way and that you'll start doing that business with him now as we stand and as we sing and as we prepare to witness this covenant of baptism take place today let's stand and let's worship